I'm Pamela Portnoy, and no one's okay. I'm really still trying to get used to that. I don't know that you ever will. (laughs) Welcome back to No One's Okay. We are back. I am here today with an actor, a director, an acting teacher extraordinaire. Daniel Travis is here with me in studio. Hi, Daniel. Hello, my dear. (laughs) How are you? Uh, Not okay. We're we're in the certainly not. not. No no one's okay. No, we're swimming in the either better than or worse than, and embracing it. It, uh, All things exactly. Wonderful. It's really good to see you. It's good to see you too. I'm so happy to be here with you, having a drink, as if like things were like normal. It feels odd. Yes, it's very odd. It's like so normal. It's weird. Yes, (laughs) as traffic coming here and everything else. I uh, when traffic started coming back, I was completely freaked out. Yeah. Tell our audience the beginning of your journey through now. Don't leave anything out. Just kidding. Leave out whatever you want. I uh, started in Michigan uh, in a tiny, tiny town. And uh, my first production, I think, was a summer theater of uh, Treasure Island. And I played Captain Smollett. I think I was hooked at the Depot Theater. Literally hooked. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Nicely done. Well played. Very good. Uh, yeah. Got the bug and that was kind of it. Excellent. On my way. Uh, from Michigan to college in Ohio to New York to New Jersey to L.A. And that was... <laughs> that, that's some quick jumps. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, the past is the past. It was, uh, I did a lot of stuff uh, that um, I'm proud of. Some of it was uh, really fun to do. And um, I'm now on this next chapter and coming out of the pandemic, trying to uh, get all my students backed up to snuff too. I I really wonder how, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how that's gonna, how it's gonna go. Who we've all become. Oh yeah. Do you think we're all like, drastically drastically different i don't think anyone can't be yeah i think we all are um i think that that's one of the things that's most sort of unnerving for me right now as we've kind of moved back into this is that we're not no no one's really acknowledging the sort of collective ptsd that the whole world experienced yeah and that we're all kind of in the midst of some really sort of transformative times Mm -hmm. and People got used to who they were also in pandemic life. So it's a little different. It'll be really interesting to see everybody and see what's become of everyone. What's become of what's (laughs) left, what shreds are left behind. What growth. It's all, it could, some of it's potentially really phenomenal and changing in a really good way. You know, there, we kind of had to all strip down to the, our bare essences of, you know, stay alive. Mm -hmm. And so who you've become after that, we talk about this with, with script analysis stuff in class. Like there's, there's certain events global events that happen that everyone needs to be aware of regardless of what piece you're working on because the world changed in those events. Yeah. Uh, 9-11 was another one of those events and those times where we all just sort of, you have to understand what happened pre and post that time in order to honor the given circumstances of that time. And I think now there is pre and post pandemic and 
the shift in collective energy and understanding globally is all going to be part of that. Absolutely. Um, uh, one of the things that has always struck me about you, <laughs> um, because I, I do have the honor of being in your class, um, and I've been in your class for a very long time now. Very long time. I don't know why I put the very. Does it, it feel like a very long time? No, it doesn't. It feels just like a a blip. We're, no, it's it's a good thing. It's <laughs> it's a growth time. It's yeah. Um, so yeah, one of the things that struck me about you is like you give the most insightful opening speeches <laughs> in every that. class, and. I don't want to like take away from whatever you've got planned for whenever we do startup class, but okay. like, give us a little, give our listeners a flavor. Give, give us some of that. Like, what would you say to artists that are coming out of this past year and a half of insanity? Uh, what would I say to them in terms of where you should be focusing? What do you need to be doing, or how? how sure. Yeah. Um. Self-care is critical right now. Yeah. Um, honoring this sort of understanding of collective PTSD is really hugely important. Mm -hmm. And what we do is based in empathy. What we do is, is, is an attempt to channel an understanding of a given set of circumstances that are a different perspective, a perspective that is not necessarily yours. And... This time is a hugely pivotal time in the world. And so getting to a place where you have the ability to stretch and put yourself in, other, in, in another's shoes. I mean, we've had an amazing transformative time in terms of discussions and conversations and painful discussions and painful conversations about how the world needs to shift and honor each other's perspectives more. And I think that... The more that you take time to step into someone else's path for a minute, step into another set of shoes for a moment and put yourself in an empathetic understanding, we're all going to be in a better position right now. That's not just actors, that's everybody. And I do hope that we take this time and take this opportunity to not necessarily just go back to what was, but to reset and make better. Mm -hmm. And as artists... Our job is to help further that, and I think that's a big part of what should be happening for all of us. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. I talked about this uh, with a couple of friends of mine, the two friends that I bubbled, bubble saw during <laughs> pandemic. I love using that as a verb. I, bub I bubbled them. I bubbled with them. <laughs> I bubbled with two friends, and uh, we talked about it um, quite a bit, but I think... The last four years, the last 20 years, there's been this sort of pervasive growing, I always refer to it as the Ghostbusters pink slime of, of anger. And I feel like that's sort of taking over in a global perspective in a much different way. And we are at each other in a way that we haven't been globally in a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that our ability to be able to see another perspective, honor another perspective, whether or not you agree with that perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing that we talk about when you're talking about defending character actions that you don't necessarily agree with. You still have to honor their choices mm -hmm. and, and understand them. 
Mm -hmm. Um, So compassion, empathy, self-care. That's my prescription for for now. The image I was getting in my head when you were saying this was um, wrapping your arms around the things that you don't understand or don't necessarily agree with. And usually when I think about that, I think about it things internally within myself that I notice and I don't necessarily like. It's like, I'm going to give that a hug. Yeah. And just bring that along. Yep. And see, I had a guess I was talking about anxiety in that way. Oh, that's going to be there. Just watching. Yep. But you can't steer. You can be in the car and I'll give you love, but like you can't steer. That's it's the same thing when I talk to you guys about taking the little green voice that's in your head, that's the critical voice, and go send them to Starbucks during class time. You are absolutely going to pick them up on the way home because yeah. you know they're still going to be there. <laughs> but give yourself a break from that for a minute. Or honor it, show it some love. And I think, like when you're ta- when if you we tackle ourselves that way, or we try to, um, I think it's just as powerful to do that with other people yep. too. Like some people that you know will have a differing viewpoint. Particular, like I, a lot of tempers have been really up there with what's been going on. Um, people I I'm very good friends with people that I like. We have very different you know styles of how like we've been managing, but. The ones that I've really been able to like in our relationship has grown mm-hmm. was because we've kind of just like loved and accepted and metaphorically thrown our arms around each other, knowing, yes, we we disagree, but having a respect. And having a discussion about necessarily or potentially a civil discussion about things. For sure. So you don't have to agree. Yeah. But you can still talk about stuff. I don't want people to go off into their corners and just say it's all about love and that's it. I do think there's work to be done. But I think it has to be rationally uh, understood. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to do their homework. Mm-hmm. And then come to the table understanding. And also then with an empathetic hand and heart mm-hmm. have this discussion with another person. Yes. So zooming in on the self-care thing, Mm -hmm. um, we're talking emotionally, physically, mentally, Mm -hmm. spiritually, all the things. (laughs) All the things. What are some things that you do to take care of you? Uh, I I got hooked on riding my bike during the pandemic. (laughs) I had a feeling you did. (laughs) I You almost uh, rode your bike here. I almost rode it here. It was too damn hot. So hot. Uh, 94 degrees outside, you guys. Um. Yeah, it has become a kind of therapy for me. Um, it is that, that that sort of hypnotic motion is it, I can work out, you know, issues of the day. I can I'm having a I'm having a physical experience. I'm also working breath work while I'm while I'm doing that stuff as well. Um, uh, that's a big part of the self-care aspect for me. Also, uh, I've been trying to cook. I am not a cook. Um, I'm not either, but I have been too. I call myself basically an assembler, but uh, I, I put things together. And You have a mortar and pestle in your kitchen, if I remember correctly. How do you say you don't cook? I've never used it. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> it's there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm not a great cook, but I've, I've tried to, I, I, I was, you know, doing my own sort of little version of Will Smith's I Am Legend for the last, you know, year. I've been on my own. And, uh, you know, with the exception of seeing, like, two friends occasionally in an outdoor setting kind of thing. So 
you spend a lot of time on your own, um, this is an opportunity to self-assess and to eat healthy and to work out well and to do those things. I didn't want to come out of the pandemic thinking I shoulda, woulda, coulda, or I wished I had had. I did not attempt to write the next Moby Dick during this time, nor did I want to change the wheel because a lot of us were spending time just trying to stay alive. Yeah. And so I'm proud of all of us for that and for that level of self-care. Um, and then going and getting a vaccine when it's time because that's community care and I understanding. So. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, writing, writing, physical activity is big. Um, I just started reading a book um, by James Nestor called Breath, and it's about how we breathe and how we've started. This is now you're getting tips on future lessons in class, but yeah. Oh, excellent. Good. <laughs> because I was going to ask, like, what are the must-read books? Oh, I brought a stack of them, actually. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's taking care of and honoring this instrument. You only get one. And so all of that stuff has been really important to me in the midst of this time. And self-care, that's, that's what it boils down to for me. I do think everyone should be not trying to just jump back in and going, oh, okay, great. We're all open. Everything's great. Let's go. You got to take a minute here. Everybody's yeah. been through some stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's everyone's going to transition differently too. And honor that with yeah. each other. Some people, uh, you know. Are ready to party, exactly, ready to go. And exactly. some people are like. Mm. You, you got to be at your own comfort level. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be getting on a plane in, in a week. And I'm, I wasn't great on flying beforehand. So this is super not great for me. But yeah. Uh, baby steps. I know people who've, you know, been on tons of flights already. Yeah. I'm just. I have one in August. I'm. I feel better about it, but yeah, yeah. it's strange. Yeah, because I I would often travel before, so yep, it's going to be an adjustment for sure. Uh huh. Um, have you heard of Wim Hof breathing? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because you yes, have? yeah, of course. Is that I what have. you've been doing? That's part of what is in this book, and that's also part of what I've been sort of attempting to. I'm I'm work I'm working my way into the cold stuff. I'm not quite there yet, but. Yes, I am familiar with Wim Hof. It's so interesting. I've been training um, outside with a friend of mine, and I was having just, I showed up, and I was like, I can't believe I showed up. I was having one of those days. Uh -huh. And he's like, why don't we just, like, breathe, breathe and stretch today uh, instead of going crazy and, like, lifting, like, 50-pound sacks and things, which is what I did yesterday, and I'm, like, really sore. But anyway. James? No. Okay. <laughs> But uh, yeah. yeah, James would be like, no excuses, play like a champion. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And you waited all this wonderful. Long, you waited this long to have me on the show. Everybody, all the other famous people, Katie Ryan and Drew Kenny. Oh, Drew Kenny uh, uh -huh. and James and Luke. Yeah, you have to have Anne on at some point. I, I am going to have Anne on Anne's going to be a good guest for if you, she will, um, If she would be willing to dazzle me, I'm going to have Anne She's on. She's absolutely easily dazzled. Everybody wants a piece of Anne. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, okay, sip. Uh, we were doing some Wim Hof at this session. Uh -huh. And first of all, I didn't know breathing could be so hard. Partially was, because you've been doing it wrong your whole life. Apparently. We all have. 
I've been wanting. I heard. I'm not that saying book. that's specific to you. I'm no, saying that in all of us. It's so true. Apparently, we don't know how to breathe or sleep. Correct. But with this breathing, we did um, three rounds of thirty, mm-hmm. and by by the end of the first, I was like, I don't know how I can do two more rounds of this. And then we did it, and he guided me through it, and I had this feeling of just. In, like I felt like I came out of a two-hour massage. <laughs> Is that how you that feel sort of after it? Kind of very space. Like everything's where am I? fine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of like a little high, sort little of. Little bit of a noodle, a little high. Yeah, because you've got so much more oxygen in your system than you <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. So it, it was. So I I do want to incorporate it more, but. You know, it sounds really easy. Just breathe for like 15, 20 minutes. But it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. And be, in part because those muscles are not regularly exercised. Yeah. In the right way. Correct. Yeah. I'm glad you're doing that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not doing it as well as I should or as often as I should, but that's a goal that a I have. A little bit at a time and keep going. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do you do you do do you meditate? Uh, that was another thing that I started doing uh, during the pandemic. Um, yes. And that was something I always hated and was not good with because um, I wanted to be doing something. And um, I finally found uh, an approach and practice that actually worked for me to start, um, which is Sam Harris's Waking Up app. And okay, it's um, – Something about his sort of no-nonsense approach and the ease with which you go into it, um, it starts with, you know, 10-minute meditations and works it works your way up into 20, 30, 40-minute meditations. Um, Jason goes for an hour. It's – that's when you st- – after, after 20 minutes is when you start to have the physiological distinctions and changes. Um, up to then, it can be sort of a calming, but but after 20 minutes is when you start to really – get in depth with respect to meditation. And if you can do it consistently, that was my thing is that during the pandemic, I had a set, I had my little spot. I did my little, you know, burning of my sage and then I did my meditation and it was a thing. But after a while, he even talks about it. He said, you know, you shouldn't do this in one place at one time. This is meant to be an understanding that it's a mindset and approach throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So even just in this moment, if you're asking me a question and I close my eyes for half a second, I'm supposed to be able to reset into that headspace and then come back out. And I'm not quite there yet, but working on it. But yeah. That would be intensely useful for not only just every human being on the planet, but like particularly when it comes to centering before an exactly. audition or getting into character or anything like that. And we talk about that in class a little bit, but yeah, there are that is an absolutely great way to get yourself to a place of neutrality and understanding and then walk into the work. So. And I imagine like people always say like leave leave the shit at the door, which is a I think like an excellent way to put it. But sometimes it can be really hard, and I feel like if you practice this a lot, maybe it would make it easier. Same thing with your breath work, yeah. Once yeah. the musculature gets an understanding of it. And My stomach was so I'm sore. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Diaphragm. Yeah. Just exactly. pulsating. Yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah. And I'm sure you felt warm in your core, and I'm sure you felt my, a little lightheaded and my a little feet fingers tingling. And my hands yep. tingling. Yeah, exactly. You're in you're awakening some things. You're also increasing your blood flow and you're oxygenating your blood in a different way and you're changing your uh, the, the alpha rhythms in your brain and um, putting yourself in a in a more receptive state, all of that stuff. Like I that it's so cool. It's oh man. Yeah. Um I totally was gonna <laughs> you say You just something. went someplace. I just like had a journey in my head. <laughs> it was great. Um I the cold stuff that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, have you have played around with that at all? Or are you just not yet? Um, a f- this friend that taught me. We went to Big Bear last year. Mm-hmm. Um, not while well, it was cold, but like starting to warm up. And we went down to the lake, and I just like sat on the sand and was just like having a drink and just chilling. And he's like, I'm going to go into the water. And I touched the water. It was freezing. I'm like, it's freezing. You're not going in the water. And he's like, I'll be back. He goes around the corner and we were like, he's whim hopping. Like we were making fun of him. But then he just like, he was just swimming as if it was nothing. And then jokes on me. Now I want to become an expert on this. Of course. Changing that understanding or your relationship to it. Russell Brand is big into Wim Hof stuff. It's fascinating it you can change your relationship to temperature that way as well like i don't i mean i've seen photos of wim climbing mountains in shorts and nothing else and how he is about cold it's just a different sensation i mean i grew up in the midwest and i i'm i've become a wussy californian thin-blooded with that tends to happen when you come here it happens it's kind of nutty uh, now I, you know, I've I've grew up here, so I've always been that way. I can't imagine. I'll like go visit the cold for two, three days, because it's a novelty. Right. But then I'm over it. They and they say now they finally discovered that yes, your blood does thin. It legitimately does in climate. It takes three days for your blood to adjust to whatever climate you're in. So that's why when you go immediately to a super cold place from California, you're way more cold than everybody else is. Yeah. And that's why the Midwesterners are taking off their shirts when it's 50 degrees because it feels spring-like to them. <laughs> it's because you've come from a different... And I'm in a parka. Yeah, exactly. It's because you've adju- your, your body's still on California time slash temperature. Yeah. That's so interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm excited to read that book then. Yes. Very yes, good. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love that you brought this stack of books. I saw you in the parking lot. I was like, oh, this is our assigned reading for class. <laughs> no, I just... I was nervous. I haven't done this. I actually have never done this. This I haven't I'm done. I'm so any... happy I get to break I'm... you in, yes, and I you're hope this won't podcast. be your last. <laughs> you're gonna be completely turned off. I just <laughs> didn't want to come unprepared. So no, um... you are spectacular. <laughs> what would you say to people who, because we talked about self care and just like not being too hard on ourselves because everyone's gonna dress differently. What would you say to people who were ready and feeling like okay i want to put my foot on the gas what would you say to someone to like motivate them like what's the best way to get out of a creative rut and just start full steam heading i honestly i don't think anybody should don't do it (laughs) no i don't think anybody's in a creative rut right now i don't think any i don't think there's uh, we've all had this time so i i feel like it's a clean slate for everybody Nobody's expecting you to come out of the pandemic having written Moby Dick or, you know, uh, so 
use this time, especially as things are starting to come back open and people are starting to feel more comfortable mm -hmm. to re-engage and re-establish. I mean, we're talking about doing classes again together and use and honor the energy that you have of, okay, I've been through something and now I'm ready to start again. You come from that place. Absolutely. Also recognizing that it might take a little time for everyone else to catch up with you. Good answer. I like that very much. Um, I wanted to just, I'm, I'm like, I'm also nervous. Good. I'm also nervous. I'm glad That's I'm not the fine. only one. I'm like, oh God, Daniel's coming. I got to like be on my game. <laughs> Before I move on yes. to my new segment, yes. I have a question for you. What, it's kind of a weird one. What would a PSA be to someone that has an artist in their life? What would you like people to know? <laughs> what is Are you asking, you're asking me for like the handle with care instructions yes. for an actor? <laughs> like don't feed them after midnight. You know what's so funny? Because I was on another podcast and they asked me that question. Or they or maybe I just like volunteered the information. I'm like, everybody, listen up. If you got someone in your life that is a creative, listen carefully. That's funny. Uh we need them. Honor them. Uh, what we do, you know, you, we, we've talked about this in class. You know, honoring the empathetic warriors. The, there is a reason the arts exist. They are a primary function of our world. They are not extraneous. They are reading, writing, arithmetic, and the arts are actually all in the same. They're of a piece. They're, they're all part of what we need as a community, as a society to learn from each other and to grow. And you should be those, those artists and those creative people who are willing to step into those tough areas and bring light to the rest of us and show faces of um, experiences and existences that we are unfamiliar with. Um, those things need to be honored. And my PSA would be to say, do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actors get a bad rap in a lot of respects as being sort of spoiled, entitled, removed individuals. And yeah. there are those people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But there are, there are also, all kinds of people. <laughs> right. There are also huge numbers of us who are out there for the greater good and who are interested in honoring that. And that needs to be recognized. Like, arts funding in school should not be a discussion. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to take away the football team, and if you're going to take away, you know, math tutoring, and if you're going to take away that stuff, then I can understand it. But if you're, if that's the first thing to go all the time, we have a problem. Yeah. That's not there. Well, then what are we doing? 100%. Yeah, I do feel like there's kind of this, uh, I don't know if stigma is the right word. Um, stigma, is that what you said? Yeah, I don't know if that's the right word, but I feel like um, there's this thought that people have that people take, that people that are actors take it so, like, too seriously, whatever that means. Right. Um, that really what we're doing is playing because we're playing pretend and we're playing, which is true. <laughs> 
<laughs> and sometimes I feel self-conscious, you know, because I'm like, oh, does this person think I'm like taking myself too seriously? It is the only one of the art forms that everyone thinks they can do. That's really interesting. It's people do not walk into Carnegie Hall assuming they're going to be an opera singer or assuming they are an opera singer. Excuse me. Uh, people pick up paintbrushes all the time to paint, but like, I don't think they're going to be like, this belongs in the Louvre. Exactly. But every day, everybody else goes, oh, I can do that. I can act. Yeah. In a heartbeat. And I don't know why those people think that they're better than us because they can, they think they're like, they can do that. It's not, we're not, there's not a suggestion of that. Why is that, do you think? I think because so much of what we do is made to, is meant to look easy. We yeah. spend so much time and spend so much effort in order to make it look effortless. Mm -hmm. I am under no illusions that I'm not going to be able to step on a track and run as fast as Usain Bolt. Yeah. But, you know, Joe thinks that he can absolutely get a part in a movie and be just fine. Yeah. They have that assumption. There's that expectation. And so I do think that um, where we come from is a little bit of a different place and energy. Yeah. And what do we do with that? Just keep moving forward? <laughs> uh yeah, I don't... I don't know why I'm, like, so interested in this topic now. I'm, like, PSA, trying to, like, give us a better rap. Like, I don't know why I'm so concerned I, about <laughs> our reputations. I don't I don't think it's going to change. And I, I don't I, think so either. I love you, but I don't think this podcast is going to be the single thing that affects that change. Um, or I, will it. Or will it. Yeah, exactly. It'll be great. Um, I, I don't... I don't think there is anything to do at the moment. Um, I think that acting activism is a, a part of something that needs to be sort of thought about. Uh, you know, I know that there are all manner of people who suggest that actors need to stay in their lane uh, and not have comment on this or not use your platform for this or not talk about this because you're just a silly actor. Mm -hmm. Those silly actors are also people who are citizens who participate in the world just like the rest of us. And yes, I do think that they need to be careful about how they use their voice, but I do think honoring sort of a sense of a communal growth and it's not just a question of what do we do, what do we as actors do about that, what does what do we as citizens do about furthering society? What mm -hmm. do what do we as humans? What can I contribute to the conversation? What can I contribute to the discussion? What can I contribute to uh, in service of the greater collective? What can I make better here? Mm -hmm. And if my way of doing that is through acting, great. If my way of doing that is through being a mathematician, phenomenal. If my way of doing that is being a CPA, great. But they're not different. Yeah. Um, participate in the conversation. Participate in the collective discussion. Mm -hmm. Everybody. What came to mind was the, uh, the video, uh, Actors Against Athletes Acting. 
Wait, what? Have you seen oh, God, this no, Gary Oldman? Um, I don't know if it's like a YouTube video, I think. Is it a parody video? It's Gary Oldman, and he's... I wish I, I had it to like pull up, but he's basically just saying like enough of athletes being in movies. Right. And I'm like, a part of me feels that real hard um, because it's exactly what you said. Like anyone can think they can do this. But at the same time, if they're going to put in the work and studying and dedication, because I do think that talent isn't the most important thing. I think and please correct me if you disagree. <laughs> um, I think that working hard and studying is even more important than having a natural gift. The the, the only caveat I would say about I don't I haven't seen the video, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna send I, it but to I you. But I am gonna comment it on anyway. I'm gonna uh, send it to you. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I, the only thing about that it, it, that I would say is if you it doesn't matter who you are if you are willing to do the training. If you are under no illusions about what you don't know, right? If you are an athlete coming in. I know zip. I have this platform. I'm interested in doing this. Help me learn. Mm-hmm. I have those clients. I, I work with those people. I understand that. But those are the people that actually took the time to do that. For sure. And they also have talents that come with being an athlete that kind of transfer. Some of it because does. There's, exactly. there's a lot of discipline that kind of crosses work, over. Work ethic, commitment, all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, being in tune with your physical instrument as well. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Which I need to do better of. I, I'm you're breathing. Par- I gotta do the ex- Wim Hof. You're breathing your way the into it. The breathing hurts too much. Exactly. <laughs> I have a new segment okay. that I'm playing with called <laughs> Silly Questions to Take Very Seriously. Okay. Daniel. Yes. My question is Okay. What activity are you most afraid of? I almost asked you what is your biggest fear, but I thought that was way too heavy. So what activity are you most afraid of taking on? And I have a reason for asking this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I don't, is it something that I legitimately might have to do? I mean, an idea that it's crossed your mind and you're like, I'm never doing that. I'm the first thing that popped into my head was like flying a jet. I'm I'm probably (laughs) not going to do that. Okay. And I was thinking more one or being piloting one, piloting one. Why would you have to pilot a jet? But I was thinking about all the other people whose lives I was going to be responsible for. And I didn't want to do that. Here's the thing. Like the only like situation where I could see like you would need to pilot a jet is, is an like, airplane scenario like I... like Independence Day <laughs> right <laughs> like everyone's Asking just me. grabbing planes get something exactly and go <laughs> right so you're asking something that theoretically I may have to do what am I afraid of is that what you mean yeah that's, I mean um, I liked your answer <laughs> uh, I don't know I gotta think about that. Would you like me to tell you yeah, why tell I me, asked tell you me this the question. question? Tell me the reason. Daniel, I don't know if I told you this, but when I was a smidge younger, I was <laughs> traumatized by a film that you are in. Oh. Badly traumatized. You didn't tell me Because this. one thing that I am horrified thinking about potentially doing ever because of you 
is scuba diving. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> I really am. Because it's a I beautiful swear, sport. It's an incredible, like, it was so effective, that film. I, I remember it viscerally. Um, it scared the ever-loving shit out of me. And then I started taking classes with you. And not until probably the second time I was partnered with James did I find out that you were the lead in that film. Oh, you film. had no and idea. And I was like, no, no, no. That movie, him, I'm learning from him. He ruins my appetite for I'm travel and leisure. That. I'm really, I am. If you guys haven't seen Open Water and you're in the mood for something real... Uh, traumatizing not that i think like anyone's in the mood for more trauma these days (laughs) i don't think that's getting yeah exactly um but you do such a fantastic job as does your co uh co-star and it's um someone sent me an email this morning that it turned to i like apparently there's a photo of us as as clickbait on one of the articles that's going around really yeah it's uh funny um that uh that that activity was actually something i was not afraid of Really? Um, yeah. Uh, during the whole time, I wasn't afraid of it either. Um, that was of interest to me. I, I liked that. And Were you trained for scuba diving before? Uh, I got certified officially to shoot the film, but I had been diving, sort of sneaky diving a couple of times with my brother-in-law, who was a trained diver, um, just to play around Sneaky a diving? Bit. Well, I hadn't been certified. <laughs> You're not supposed to use a BC and a reg until you are, but... I, you know, we played around with the tank and, you know, I, I went down a couple of times with him, but I actually got certified to shoot the film. Um, and, you know, I was not, I wasn't afraid of the sharks. I wasn't. Were, af- were there, like, were they were there while you were shooting? <laughs> they were there. Are, are we, how many years of therapy did it take you to get past this scene at the first time? I am still I'm working not on it this. clearly, Daniel. So I'm not, you know, I don't you know gotta, if I should you answer You gotta this. tell me. <laughs> It's yes. better that it's out in the open. There were there were <laughs> Maybe 50, this will cure me. There were fifty to seventy reef sharks. I'm sorry. In the water with us. And yes. Um And so you guys just went to this area where you guys knew it would be. The, the, com- would be? the company that we shot all the dive footage with, the um they they do shark dives. And so they knew there are certain pods of sharks and they fed them regularly so they knew where to find them. And it was actually very interesting because, you know, I was living in New York at the time, and we had flown down to do the shark footage. We we started with that. It was this was sort of the beginning of the film. Welcome to yes. set. Yes, here are some alpha <laughs> predators. <laughs> here are the extras. Uh, yeah. So, and we got out on the boat. We you know flew in, uh, got on the boat, and uh, pulled up. And they and as soon as they turned the engines off, this like bubbling mass kind of came up and because they know the sound of the boat engines and know that that's where the food comes from so they actually were there the minute we stopped and so the the sharks just came up and started swimming around the boat and i was like okay and my co-star said oh hell no not doing this not doing it (laughs) not gonna happen (laughs) so I I went in first, and I uh, we shot a couple of still shots with me and a couple of singles, and then I got more comfortable with the, where camera was and stuff, and so then we started playing a little bit from that place. But they were, you know, nobody was in. The, it was just us in the water with them, uh, and 
we got bumped. Uh, bumped? Uh-huh. Like a like a nose bump? Mm-hmm. Um, Ag- aggressive? No, they're exploratory. All they're like, what are you? That's what their noses are for. They're huge sensor sensor bundles in the, in their noses. So that's a test that's to see what you are. And so when we finally got together to with my co-star to shoot um, in a couple of the shots, we were, you know, we we're working on the shark footage and she kept, she, she stopped kicking me, stop <laughs> kicking me. And I, you just, didn't want to say, I just wasn't said, me. I just said, I'm sorry. I just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm it sorry. Wasn't you. It wasn't me. <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. So, but you've got like no, were you afraid at any point? Was there a moment that you're like, fuck? Not, no, not there. I was more worried about doing a good job. Yeah. That's, you know, there's your anxiety. That's where the, that's where the fear comes from. It's not like the physical manifestation, the like, physical. Is this coming across on camera? Like forget all these 50 sharks. Like, are am they I scared be- enough? Am I believable? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> They're right there, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. So it was more of that. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, real sharks are not at all like Hollywood sharks. I mean, those were Hollywood sharks. Those were and those jellyfish. sharks. Those sharks have been in more movies than I have, probably. Those yeah. sharks can. Those sharks are very working sharks. Yeah, they're very well fed sharks. Mm-hmm. It seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I'm surprised. Like when they like bumped you and they figured out you were like a human. They don't meat popsicle. They don't. They don't want. Uh, we do not taste good to them. What tastes good to them? Like fish? Seals and Seals. fish. Um, yeah, they do not like people. That's why most of the bites are, they don't consume people. Shark bites aren't, they're not consuming. They're, it's a, it's a test. But if you're a great white, a test bite is very different. And Totally. Take off, it's huge. Yeah. So, and it, we were not dealing with great whites. I think I probably would feel slightly differently. Just slightly? We well, if it's something that's, you know, 1,500, 2,000 pounds and 20 feet long, I'm going to. I do have issues about that stuff. Like, I think I would be. One of the you asked about the fears. Uh, I used to have a huge anxiety about um, I think it's called uh, telassophobia, deep water. Uh, and so how ironic. Exactly. So actually scuba diving took that fear away. Is it sort of like the fear of deep water? Is it sort of comparable to like a fear of heights, meaning that you it's it's so much space? It's not just a question of the expanse. It's the question of what's down there. And so that's what I was going to say is that as soon as I got certified to to dive and actually did some dives, I was like, oh, this is what's down here. It's all good. I'm okay. I'm not worried. So it was the unknown aspect of it, which got alleviated. Which made me feel better. Isn't that just yeah. the most perfect definition of fear? Really? Like, really, it's the fear of it's unknown. Right. I have a little bit of like a fear of the dark. Mm-hmm. Because you it's can't because, see. Because, yeah, no light. Right. <laughs> Oddly. And yeah. I know it's all the same theoretically, but like what changed? I don't know. Who's lurking behind that door? Exactly. Yeah. And it's the same thing about you know, d- deep, dark, 
for me. And also not wanting to be left alone there. Like, Well, yeah. Did you have that before or after your film? I always had that. And there were a couple of shots when we, when we shot where, you know, the boat would have to come around and come back and get us kind of thing. Or, you know, we, we drifted off too far and while we were shooting. And I did have a couple of moments of I do not want to be the only one out here. I think it was uh, what was the um, what was the 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 boat the George Clooney lobster boat movie with oh perfect storm yeah yeah and uh, Mark Wahlberg's character is the only one left at the end and he's floating and he's by himself in this I haven't giant seen it, that's but... the oh, sorry I just killed that oh uh, oops it came out a long time ago yeah, like get yeah, it together yeah. guys so but that. <laughs> That mo- that that's if you talk about a, a something I would never want to be is that speck that's completely invisible in an ocean setting and that kind of thing like that that I have a little bit of a thing about. Good answer. I love that so much. <laughs> Yay! You're helping me. I'm I'm helping cure the reputation of that actors have, and I'm curing shark reputations too. Yes, sharks are actually a very vital. Apex predator. We need them. We need more of them. We need people to stop killing them. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know why. I just looked at the camera. Yes. yes. <laughs> don't kill sharks. Um, very good. What? Okay, this is gonna be a hard one, probably. You what... like they've been easy so far. Okay. What five plays mm. are must read five must reads for actors? I almost picked three. I'm really sorry, but uh, five, I'm not going to go over five. Mandatory. He has about 50 plays, 50 to 70 plays fucking just bobbling around in his head right now. <laughs> it's closer to 150, actually. <laughs> um, I'm, I can't give you five. Oh, come on. Um, Give me the first five that come to your head. No, because they're all like the reason to read them is for it, there are different reasons to read them. Mm-hmm. I think, I think absolutely, I'm totally going to skirt your answer. I think absolutely <laughs> everyone should read a play, um, a, a historically significant play that has absolutely no role for them in it. Okay. I think that um, people are looking too much at the character descriptions before they're reading plays. Actors are also ego driven in a lot of respects. And so you're instantly going to go to where, how do I, where fit are my into, lines? Where, what do I say? Right. So I, uh, but all, you know, um, I think everyone should read August Wilson's work. I think all of August Wilson's work. I think you should be um, for historical significance and context. Shakespeare doesn't really ever go out of style. I think there is an understanding mm-hmm. from a baseline of needing to know those plays, aspects of that canon. Um, I do think there are a number of plays that we have revered for years that need to absolutely go by the wayside. Um, it's some of the stuff that I'm trying to adjust in terms of what we teach. There are things that I need you to know and there are ways to uh, to teach you through this piece of material. But this piece of material is really freaking dated right now. So... I'm trying to adjust to those things as well. I don't think there's – I think everyone should be reading lots of plays. I think we all should be. I think um, 
there are some amazing and brilliant and talented new playwrights coming out right now as well. Um, I, I think that Katari Hall and Lynn Nottage, I think you need to take a look at um, um, David Auburn. And mm -hmm. um, um, I'm uh, there, there are a lot of playwrights now who are also showrunners on TV shows. Mm -hmm. Bo Willimon. Bo Willimon, Lucy, Lucy Preble. You need to know and, and you know, that's part of what the lines are getting sort of blurred a little bit in terms of film and television versus theatrical understandings. And a lot of playwrights are writing for film and television right now, too. Yeah. I know that's one of the, the things that gets a little bit of a question about our classes. You know, we use plays, but that the. Those, but it's the work, and that's the tr and those are that's where the translation comes from. You, it's 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 the same language. Yeah. Um, yes, the style is some is is slightly different, but it's not that different. No, it's not. So I do think that there's a lot of uh, new work coming out right now. Um, I was very excited to see the drama bookshop open back up. Oh, is it open? It's open. Yes. Now I. I went online specifically to start to order plays from them, and they don't have that set up. So I don't know if that's going to be happening. But just the fact that it's there mm -hmm. makes me happy. Um, buy plays. Read plays. Read new plays. Read plays that are um, absolutely a, a walk in life that you have never taken and have no experience with and no understanding of. Challenge, yeah. challenge yourself to find a way in. And shit that you're not. Oh, can I swear? Of course you Sorry. can. <laughs> Who are you talking to, I don't know. Daniel? <laughs> it, it, uh, work on shit you don't know. And stuff that you will never play in anything other than a, a, a classroom setting or a rehearsal with friends or a read-through with a group of people. Challenge yourself to play with that stuff. That's how you remain um, mentally pliable and, and in a position to attack and approach something from a different angle and to step outside of ourselves. That's We've spent so much time inwardly, collectively in the last year. And as we start to venture out again, you need to be cognizant of where you've come from, understand what's going on with your instrument and your system, and then be absolutely open and able to be receptive to others' viewpoints and opinions. Yes. And right now we have lost some of the constructive dialogue aspect of conversation. Um, I listened to a really great podcast um, a couple of days ago um, uh, that was the John O'Donohue, uh, the playwright philosopher, not playwright, sorry, poet and philosopher. He died in 2009. Um, he challenged the interviewer to say, when was the last time you had a transformative conversation with a friend? When was the last time it was an absolute discussion that was not um, an exchange of monologues? So much of Western dialogue has become an exchange of monologues. Nobody's listening to each other. This is what I want to say. Now I'm going to let you yap until I get to say something again. Yeah. When, when was the last time you walked away from a conversation changed? When was the last time you remembered that conversation three weeks later and were moved by it? We need to start investing in that kind of dialogue again. And there are some tough conversations that have to happen with everyone. 
we are in a massive sort of adjustment and growth spurt as a society right now. A lot of pain and a lot of that needs to be recognized and honored. And that's part of what I've come out of this with sort of a renewed sense of, oh, yeah, that's where I want to be. That's what I, that's where I can help. At least if it's from a place of giving you the tools to have the conversation. I certainly do not have the answers, but I can at least ask you questions, which will help you get to that place. That's beautiful. <laughs> I like that very much. I'm glad. You and approve. I related to it because, you know, I'm, I'm, doing this right you and are. so i'm and doing trying... it well by the way no you're very sweet thank you um but i really enjoy listening to people but there are times where i do get caught up in my own head while i know i need to be engaging and listening actively because they're always like oh that's a clever thing to say but like hanging on to that right instead of listening right and i feel like everyone's guilty of that whether it Absolutely. be through their own head or through like looking down at your phone or like being distracted by other things going on in your brain um it's challenging uh because our attention spans are a little bit different with everything that's at our fingertips now not a little bit <laughs> a lot um you know, I've talked about this a bunch. Um, we talk about this as class all the time, and we are we are losing the ability to even maintain eye contact. Yeah, we're losing the ability to have consistent conversation. That's actual conversation. That makes me so sad. It. Um, and I'm guilty of it, but it still makes me sad. And I and and I don't necessarily know what the remedy is or if there will be one or if this is just the way things are and we are on a path where we are all going to genetically sort of hunch over and turn into these like, golem yeah electronic yeah these screen orders. these screen watching golems yeah and i i'm not i do think there's a little bit of the wild west of that i don't know where that's going to end up i mean you know potentially it's all going to end up being put in a chip in your brain anyway so i don't that's know. true i don't know i don't know wow yeah practice like wim hof yeah practice your breathing practice your listening it is not an easy thing to do we've lost the ability to do it it's the same thing i talked to you guys about in class listen as if your life depends on it i believe that it, um i'm gonna misquote i think it's loretta young but i'm not positive but it's Listen as if you were a, um, an animal in the forest and your life depended on it because it does. Your acting life does depend on that. Listening is equally important as responding. Active listening. Yeah. And yes, the minute you have that little, oh, this is a clever thing to say. I'm holding this. I'm oh, holding it's this. brilliant. I'm holding this. I'm holding this. I'm holding this. Are they done talking yet? Are they done talking? Oh, can I say my thing now? Yeah, exactly. And you've just missed the four, the two minutes of whatever it was. And you're missing out on like potentially the conversation going somewhere even better than you had planned. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great. That's great. I maybe, love that very much. So maybe don't plan. Just listen. Just listen. I mean... Plus, I read somewhere in an article that people that they, they studied people who have conversations and people that listen a lot to the other person are looked at as more, I don't know if attractive is the right word, but they're like 
people come away from that conversation thinking they had a better conversation. Because someone was Because someone was listening. Right. Not so much because the talking was so good. It was, that was a great conversation. They were listening to me. Right. I do think that you just hit on a big thing that that's, there are so many people desperate to be heard right now in the world. And we've got this weird new, <laughs> it shows my age. It's not new. This internet You always thing. say that and it's so not true. <laughs> well, but like the, it is, it, it's in its sort of infancy, but it's this understanding that there's now an ability to communicate across the world. And so you're, you're, there's, you know, this plight here and this plight here and this plight here. Well, now everybody knows what that is. Everybody sees that. So adjusting your capacity to understand what you can control and what you can't, but being absolutely empathetic and open to what's happening on a global perspective. There were times when I had to stop watching news. Yeah. Because I, it, I, had lost my ability to filter. Mm -hmm. I'd lost the place of I can see this and I can recognize it. I can I can have an emotion about it, but it's not going to take me down. It's I, not a part of right. you. I, I had lost a little bit of that and got to the place of, oh, it's all just hitting me. And so I did, I, you know, take take breaks that way. Yeah. Um, but yes, People are desperate to be heard, and listening is a big tool to do that. Just listen. Don't form an opinion. Wait till someone's finished to hear exactly what they're trying to say. Recognize it. Take that in and respond if you have something to respond. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. Don't feel like you have to say something all the time. No, you don't have to. Sometimes it's better to shut up. Yeah. Yeah. I I found that I had something this past week where um I wanted to be reactive. Mm -hmm. And I chose not to be and to take my time. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it I was like there's no need. Right. Uh, being reactive would have caused me a lot more problems and I would have ended up at the same realization if I just took a minute. Perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Beautiful. <laughs> Daniel. Yes. Are you okay? Ah. No. I don't think anyone's okay. I know this is the, th and this was the one I had an answer to. I know. No one's okay. We're not okay. Um, and that's, a, that's great to recognize. Uh, I think everybody should absolutely be working on how to be a better member of society. How to be, there's so much of this collective understanding of uh, me, mine, and you don't get to be me, mine, and still exist in all of this. Yeah. That's the part where I, I if you want to go be me, mine, there are places on this planet where nobody will bother you. Go to those places. But if you're going to choose to be in society, you need to participate in society. Mm -hmm. And it is something that needs to be considered um, a choice and, and a good thing to do. And I think that we are all going to be a little less pink slimy, ghostbustery pink slimy, and a little more okay if we listen to each other. And if we um, 
don't denigrate each other's voices. If you don't agree with it, don't agree with it. There's a whole lot of people I don't agree with right now. Yeah. Um, and if I'm in a position to uh, express an opinion that I think will elicit and affect change, then potentially I will engage in that conversation if it's appropriate, if it's met. I mean, and that that's the thing. Then you're talking about appropriate conversations. Well, there's going to be conversations that aren't necessarily appropriate but need to be had. And so if you're going to go down that path, that's also maybe a place to be more okay is the after, the collective understanding. Um, I don't think uh, – I think – it's a work in progress, as Drew said. I think everybody's on the way. It's too to soon to tell, exactly. Pam. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I, I saw a statistic uh, or a, it was a photo. And it was on one, one side was the Wright brothers. And on the other side was uh, landing on the moon. Those were... 66 years apart. Mm-hmm. Wild. Not even a single lifespan. The internet, I am I am of a time that knew pre-internet. Mm-hmm. And the, Me too. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. It it uh, I think that it is the 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 wild frontier in that respect. And I think that in a lot of respects, we as a society were not prepared for what this was going to do in terms of communication and access. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw I, – I, I watched a little bit of your um, uh, interview with uh, Jason. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and you guys were talking about UFOs. Yeah. And I do – I'm actually kind of hoping this – all of these sort of newly released – reports are really encouraging to me because I do think as a society right now or as a as a planet right now one of the only things that's going to get us all on the same page is an enemy that's other or is there there's something else that's out there that we don't know as a planet and all of a sudden we all have to recognize that we are in the same ship just um to be humbled a little bit well and join together it puts everybody on the same team in a different way. Yeah. When there's a different team. I don't know if I'm like ready for like another enemy. <laughs> well, it's it's, but it's the other something new that everyone's experiencing together. I think it will be instantly treated as an enemy, which is why I said that. Because of the fear. Yes. But the fear is part of what puts everybody together. Um there are conflicts that have been centuries old. The thousands of years conflicts that are still to this day existing. And until and unless there is something else to focus on, I actually thought potentially the global pandemic would be a thing that did that. And I was silly and naive. I had that thought too at one point. It's not silly. But it is um, now looking back, it's a far cry, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. It just raised tensions. It just raised the stress levels for everyone. For sure. And yeah. This was so lovely. Good. I'm glad you liked it. Did you? <laughs> I'm still nervous. <laughs> Why? You did so great. <laughs> yes. Daniel, where can our listeners follow you? 
uh, if you want them to follow you. If oh, not, just I don't like, even do that stuff. Yeah, he, yeah, he's like rarely he doesn't post. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not. I I I don't really choose to participate. <laughs> That's stuff. okay. That's good. Okay, very good. Um, you can find me through Pam. All right, just find me, and you'll find him. Very exactly. good. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you. You are spectacular. As are you. Thank you. <laughs> we will see you next time. Take care. Bye. I'm looking at that. <laughs> Which one? I know. This podcast was produced by Jason Crow and me, Pamela Portnoy, with music by Jordan Ross Weinhold. You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at No One's Okay. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We love kind reviews. No One's Okay is also on YouTube. So if you want to see our faces, please subscribe to our channel. An extra special thank you goes out to Sean Moore, Claire Palmer, Jackson Palmer, Tiffany Hamoff, and Alexa Marie Anderson. This podcast was recorded at Soundworks Studios. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.